Hey, Callum. Hey, man. How's it going? Yeah, okay. Hugo, you there? Yes, I'm here. Ah, there we go. Right, we're all here. So let's uh, let's do episode number four of the Kenya Experience podcast. Right, so t- today we're going to try something a little bit different. And we've prepared, well, prepared some questions. I, don't, I wouldn't say prepared answers, but we're almost going to sort of interview each other for, uh, for, for an episode this morning. And yesterday, we came up with two questions each for each of us. So I've had two questions for Callum and two questions for Hugo. Um, Hugo's had two questions for me, two questions for Callum, and so on. Uh, and then we're going to try and, well, yeah, then we're going we're gonna to move through those. Um, mainly running related, but it's not entirely running related. So it's a little bit, a little bit off topic um, in terms of the heavy training detail. And a little bit of sort of just getting our own perspectives on certain certain issues and getting our own uh, thoughts and ideas. So yeah, we're just going to see see how that goes. So they're not well. I'm speaking for myself here, but they're not they're not prepared answers. But we knew as of yesterday what questions the others were going to ask us. Is is that true for you too as well? Like you haven't actually prepared an answer, but you just got roughly, you know, roughly yeah. what we're going to speak about. Yeah, that's true for me. I kind of forgot what my uh, what I'm going to be asked, uh, <laughs> but I I I, <laughs> I heard the questions and I thought of an answer, and and then I forgot them. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think that's ideal because it's not supposed to be scripted. It is still supposed to be, um, not not not, uh, not off the cuff because yeah, say you, there might be something you actually want to consider and, and think about rather than just give the first first thing that comes into your head. Um, but yeah, so right. should we should we go through sort of like I ask. How did we decide to do it? I've forgotten. So yeah, I was we gonna... fire off one question at a time. So you can ask Hugo and then I'll ask. Yeah, I'll ask yeah, Hugo. So just do it almost, almost at random so that it isn't sort yeah, of the same, yeah. the same person talking for talking. Yeah. For but, but I think it's, uh, I think it's better if, uh, for instance, uh, Callum starts asking one question to me and one to Gavin. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. And then yeah. you know, Gavin starts so that you get both of us. Yeah, okay, this, is, this, is, this is how we do Christmas Day in my family. It's, it's brilliant. Because it, it makes <laughs> it makes Christmas last all day. Like you can you start opening even if you haven't got that many presents, you just do one at a time. So like I give one present yeah. to my younger brother, and everyone has to sit around and watch him open it. And then he <laughs> gives one present to my mum, and everyone has to sit and watch her open it. It's yeah, yeah. it's awkward if you if we you did. have like an embarrassing present though. You have to open it in front of the whole family. <laughs> yeah, we don't we uh, we don't really do that. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I haven't, I haven't had that haven't had that that situation. Right. Are you serious? When, when, whenever I am in in the company of some British people, for example, when I'm in India and there's normally like three or four British men right. who are involved, okay, we, we, the only our thing audience, our constantly... audience is fifty percent British, so uh, according to the statistics. So before you slag off the Brits, okay. keep keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> so the only thing British, uh, especially British men, I don't know about British women, but what they constantly do, especially if they're if they're good friends, is to constantly you. Use... Each other, mm. right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty accurate, I would say. Like, uh, like, like, yeah, like I... in the office where it's the uh, the girls, the the ladies' birthday, and uh, yeah, all her all her gifts are yeah, just like ridiculous things. Like, <laughs> okay. oh, a leather Basque. <laughs> <laughs> and then Gareth, Gareth, and then Gareth's trying to get her to try it on in the in the office. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I haven't seen that you, one. You, yeah, you need to go. I'm, I'm sure you have. You just probably can't remember that. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the clip afterwards. Sure, thanks. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm mumbling. Right, should we crack on? 
All right, shall I kick us off then? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so my first question for you, Hugo, is if you were allowed to go back in time to when you were a professional athlete and you were allowed to sit in a room with yourself for two minutes, what would you say to yourself in those two minutes? Well, yeah, that's uh, that's that's a good one and a pretty tough one. Um, I think I would um, tell myself um, that uh, my my focus and my determination are my my biggest qualities, um, and that I should definitely um, continue to use those in a in a good way by by you know being extremely focused in uh, in my training in my life, but. Uh, at the same time, I, I, I would tell myself that it's also, um, how do you say, a trap, a pitfall. Yeah. Um, because uh, it would, it would uh, now and then lead to overtraining or maybe uh, overtraining is not the right word. I've never really been overtrained, but I think uh, more often than not, I made the mistake to do uh, too much instead of, um, uh, you know, sometimes backing off a bit, like, having a really, really good session and then uh, saying, hey, you know, uh, now maybe I should just take it a bit easy for two days yeah. uh, to stay in good shape rather than keep on pushing and pushing. So, yeah, I, I, I would tell myself to be a little bit more careful. I could have probably avoided some injury and I've, I could have uh, maybe had a, a few better performances uh, if I had not uh, loaded myself extremely much. Okay, so w- would you say that kind of extends to, it, it sounds like because your determination and focus was such a big, uh, like that was one of your main attributes, do you think that took away from the enjoyment of your training because you were so focused? So, is that, is that uh, No, 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 yeah, yeah, it didn't really take away from the enjoyment because I, I fully enjoyed my career and every uh, part of it. And I think compared to most people, compared to most athletes, I, I can say I really definitely um, got a lot out of my career. I really, um, how do you say, uh, came to a level that I've never thought was possible when I was young. Yeah. But uh, when looking back, I also think that, um, uh, for example, in a few years, I, I could have been a bit better. I could have run under 63 on a half marathon i feel like i could have run uh, 211 on the marathon instead of 212 if i had been a little bit more carefully um, uh, and peaked a bit better for example and and just on the right moment reduce the mileage a bit and then you know not in every training session go all out but sometimes just run at you know 70 percent effort instead of 90 percent so hugo yeah. when, so, yeah. when you've got these when you've got this chance to go back and tell this message to yourself yeah. Can we make some sort of deal that you tell it to me, like now and in the future? Because <laughs> what you're saying now is is so is exactly what I would say if I had the had the chance to speak to myself ten years ago. Um, right. And right. it's just a case of when when things are going well, you think you're in, you think you're indestructible, and you think, well, I've got to keep doing this. And the the, the problem I have is my coach sets me a program. And I then find it really hard to accept that it's only sort of an ideal best case scenario. And, and if right. the program says 14 miles, I must do 14 miles. And if I get, if right. I feel a little niggle at 10, all right, well, I've got to do 14 today, so I'll do 14. But if I stopped at 10, maybe I'd have, yeah, prevented a, a, a problem down the line. 
Mm. Well, yeah, that's exactly true. And I would have the same and, and the same uh, with paces or heart rates. You know, if my coach would say uh, run in zone four, which would be a heart rate of, let's say, 180 to 188, I would go at 188 from the start and go up to 190. Uh, if he would say between 310 and three minutes per K, I would feel bad if I would just run 310 yeah. or three. Yeah, no, completely. I, I think that's very common for a lot of athletes. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Hugo, you're you're in this room back in time with your previous self. You've got 15 seconds left of your time travel. How would you how would you wrap it up and say, give it give past Hugo a takeaway message? Ooh, I think I've I've said the most important, and for the rest, I would just tell myself, uh, just enjoy enjoy it as much as you can. Okay. You know, I uh, yeah. Yeah. Good one. Nice. All right. Yeah, that was a good answer. Thanks very much very enlightening and, and as Gavin said I think that applies to uh, quite a lot of people now in the present as well so um, yeah good right. okay um, so Gavin my so for you I actually only had one question because it's kind of a longer answer so maybe you can go into a little bit more detail um, so my question for you is as a business owner and an elite runner are there things you've learned from each that apply to the other so mm. are there things you or can you apply things you learn from running? Yeah, yeah. To... Yeah, you get it? Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, yeah, well, the, the, I think the first thing to probably clarify just for anyone listening, I mean, people's definitions of elite are going to be different. I appreciate you using that term to refer to me. So thanks. So just for anyone uh, listening, you... like my, 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 my PB is a 31 low for 10K and 68 for half. So you yeah, know, you you're, your you're in the... You're in the top zero point one percent of yeah, of the but I'm not, but I'm not getting, I'm not getting an elite entry in many races. Like I'm not like you know, right. I've got a, I'm not, I'm not emailing the race director saying, "Can I come yeah. to your race?" And they're thinking, "Oh yeah, brilliant." Have it here. That would be that was that was that was sell the tickets. Get his, uh, get his start line fee ready now. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of funny. I did think about this when I was out walking Diego last night um, and I had some pretty good, I thought I had a pretty good answer and it's really, it's really interesting because whilst Hugo was giving his answer to the last question, um, I got really nervous and I completely forgot everything I wanted to say. And it, and it, it feels like, because this is one of the interesting, I think maybe this is somewhat relevant because I, so I haven't done, an interview for well over a decade. So I've been doing Kenya experience um, for, for longer than that. So I've been self-employed and then the running, running the company um, for, for that period of time. Um, I haven't done any sort of academic qualification in that period of time. And all of a sudden it's one of the first times in my life. I feel like I'm under pressure, like to, uh, <laughs> to, 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 yeah, to give an on the spot answer. And, I, and uh, yeah, I, I'm literally nervous right now. It's, it's a straight, it's a strange, I, I don't really understand why it's happened, but just as my mind just went completely blank while Hugo was, uh, was so, so I'm going to try, but if I'm, if, if I'm incoherent, yeah. then, um, then that's why. Um, well, I, 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 you could think about some things like maybe sport has, uh, helped you to deal with pressure. Yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> yeah, 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 good point. Yeah. Not, not in this case. Um, so I think you could either go the fairly, obvious way and sort of name the parallels between the two like you need to be you need to have determination you need to be 
persistent. You need to be self-motivated. Um, but yeah, to try and give you something a little bit more insightful than that, I think, I think what I've learned is it more. It, it's more specific to how I think and how my maybe my thought patterns and my motivation particularly works and, and how that plays out is doing something consistently well over and over and over again always beats doing something absolutely brilliantly but not being able to sustain it in the long term um right and, right. and that's and that somewhat coincides with what we were talking about with hugo just a few minutes ago so for instance in running my best form and my best performances always come after a period of consistent but fairly un uninspiring training like if, if you looked through my training diary before my best races you wouldn't there's nothing you'd pick out that would say wow this guy's in shape there's no standout sessions there's nothing that's just like yeah blow, blow your mind that was fast that or that's impressive but there's just a consistency over time leading into it um and i found that to be very much the same with the kenya experience as well um and if i try and go all in my mind's blown after a really short period of time and then i go through a real lull um so for instance callum you know like each of us both quite enjoy watching gary v videos yeah um and and i find some of the stuff some of the information he gives um really beneficial but i have to really limit how much i watch because i get super motivated and then i go crazy <laughs> for 24 hours or 48 hours and then i just and then i've just like lost the plot and i go three or four days of just feeling down and just like not not really being able to um do do my tasks with with the right amount of yeah it's almost like i guess it's overtraining from a work perspective like i over yeah. not 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 even overwork in terms of volume but overwork in terms of um intensity and like just how much right. how active my brain is uh, and and i just can't sustain it so so for me it's really important to so two things my my key objective for the kenya experience is that we still exist in five and ten years time and and in five and ten years time that will still be it it's like thinking about the long-term sustainability rather than right can we push really hard now and take a big risk um right. and some business owners would look at that as sort of almost a maybe defeatist or like oh you're leaving like so many people have told me like oh you're leaving so much on the table you could try this you could do that um oh you guys could xyz uh, always with some sort of big elaborate goal at the at the end and for me what i find much more not correct but just much better suited to me um, it, it's better to be at a level that you can sustain over and over and over again, even if it's less spectacular than it might otherwise be. Um, and the second point mm -hmm. to that end. Good one. So, I, so that has a lot. Uh, sorry to no, no, go on. interrupt. Uh, is it, does it have a lot to do then with kind of just uh, managing your energy, your energy levels? And, and energy means then also like emotional energy, just in, in every way uh, energy can be finished, of course, in um, many different ways. Yes. Yes, but also in terms of what we're, at, what we're actually putting out as a business, 
I don't want to do mm-hmm. it once if I'm not confident we can do it over and over again. And if I'm not confident right, that right. we can do it to a really high level, there's a lot of things that we could potentially try to do, but I don't think they're sustainable. And, and then I don't want what, what, what you sometimes see businesses do, particularly in our sort of sphere is they'll do something once and then that'll be the basis on which they sell that product to all their future clients, even though knowing full well, right. but that isn't really something that they're going to be able to repeatedly do over and over again. Right. Whereas I like to make sure that like, yeah, what the fundamentals of Yeah, exactly. Consistent. Exactly. That, that, I think that's, yeah, that's probably the word or, or the terminology I was looking for. And that's very much the same across the running and the business is it's getting, get the basics absolutely right over and over and over again. Um, and, and pay less attention or have less energy devoted to sort of the fancy, um, yeah, the, the, the one percenters or the, or the 0.5 percenters or right. anything there. Mm. You don't need to worry about them unless you're getting the 80% right over and over and over again. And, and for me, that, that goes definitely goes hand in hand with my running and with my, um, and, and with the work side. Um, uh, and yeah, then Hugo, it, it is very much then a case of, I want, I, I need to manage my energy correctly across, across both things. Um, so I'll, I'll wrap up, but I say that the, the, the summary really for me is, um, when one goes well, the other also goes well. And it's something that I need to work on that when one isn't going as well, the other will suffer. And mm-hmm. that only ever goes in one direction. That only ever goes in the direction of when my running suffering, my motivation for anything else, including work reduces. Um, and, and that's something I need I to work on because I'm not going to be able to be a competitive runner forever. And I've got, I've got this idea that once I'm no longer trying to be a competitive runner, it won't bother me as much or at all. And at that point, I'll then be able to sort of put more of that mental energy towards work. But what happens at the moment, so say, for instance, I've just been through this period of injury. Um, and even though in theory, I should have more time, more energy to dedicate to other things, I find it very hard to get motivated to do the work side when I'm not able to do the running side. Right. So, right. so yeah, so they, they really go hand in hand, but it's something I need to work on to make sure that they can coexist with more, uh, more independence. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning a lot here today. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And you know, both of them um, helps to have, have good people alongside you and to have good people um have good people leading like don't don't think you can do everything yourself because that's another mistake i made in 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 running um so i worked with canova for very closely with canova for 3 years and then i was so resistant to the idea of having a coach myself because you know i'd i'd worked on a day-to-day basis with renato so the idea that yeah. the idea that someone else could tell me anything about running was it's like oof. So I was, co- I was coaching myself using Renato's principles and then, and then, uh, you know, maybe five, six years later, I eventually accept outside help and get in the best shape of my life fairly quickly. Right. Right. Um, and of course, as you, as you, uh, I'm sure you, you fully understand that coaching is, is much more than just knowing about the training program, yeah, exactly. right? Completely. Uh, and that's what you find out now, of yeah. course, uh, being in contact with the coach and um, uh, yeah, about all the 
coaching, uh, the aspects of coaching, let's say, when it comes to putting you in the right mindset, but also adjusting the training when you're not feeling great and maybe you're, the, you don't want to really say it to your coach, but your coach just sees it. Yeah, the, the interesting know, thing and, about that is that if you'd asked me, even when I was self-coaching, if you'd asked me to summarize Canova's like best points, not many of them would have been about the program itself. Like Even though I think that's a great way of training. It would have been all the things you just said. It's the intuition. It's the the managing the program, the, the learning the psychology of the athlete and how to how to work with within that within that um, framework to get the best out of someone. Right, right. Rather than I, I wouldn't have said, oh, you've got to do specific endurance workouts. You've got to do this type of training. You've got to do you know all the all the things that you've got to do. Your heel sprint. It wouldn't have been the technical side of running. It would have been the other side. Um, but yeah, it took me a long time to accept that. Uh, that for myself um yeah i, yeah, I did that's something that you can't really on yourself yeah right? for sure it's ve- very difficult to what's the term for it it's very diff- it's very difficult to adapt your own training program because you don't yeah you can't accept the 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 small things that other people can see yeah. you you just think well i right. made this program and it was great so therefore i'm gonna do it <laughs> yeah mm. yeah exactly i yeah, know it's much harder to just see yourself than uh, someone else to you know who looks at you uh, from a kind of neutral point of view yeah for sure um and that so from a from a work perspective that's something that i found easier because in the early days lauren and i did everything like when kenya experience first started i was the admin or maybe lauren was the yeah, lauren was like the host and the guide i was the admin and the coach and then gradually we sort of brought other people on and as we brought other people on it got so much better, so much quicker. So from the, from, from the work perspective, I found that very easy. And it took me a lot longer to learn that from um, uh, in, in, in the running side. Like, don't, right. don't try yeah. to do everything yourself. Put the right people for the right, with, with, with the right skills in that, in that um, position. I'm, I'm sorry, wondering why he hired me now. Because <laughs> you know how to use a drone and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay on that note let's, yeah should we uh, move on uh should, yeah. so should you questions from me yeah sounds good so i think these are both quite short ones so we'll do a short round and then maybe my second ones might be a bit so my so my yeah. first question to callum is if money and visas were no option where in the world would you live and why yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think this is a pretty short one because the, the, the short answer is I just, I really don't know. I, I feel like I haven't kind of. I, I am exper- going to push you for a specific answer at some point. Yeah. I, I knew you were. <laughs> um, I feel like I haven't experienced enough of the world to formulate a good answer for this. Um, okay. I, let's, let's, re- the- let's reframe it. If you had, if by the end of this week you had to pick where you were going to live for the next 10 years, where would it be and why? It would be somewhere in scandinavia it would be uh, i'd be norway it would right. be it would be norway because i've i've been there i've visited and i know what it's like i really like the i like the place i like the climate i like the, the people i like the politics um yeah norway would be my answer um cool. and they've recently got a pretty um pretty good athletics program going on over there with a few big names you may or may not have heard of so um, <laughs> yeah, they're doing yeah. Right, aren't they? is it, is it a cool, is it a good place to run are there... 
Yeah, I, forests, I find it a really tracks. good place to run. Yeah, yeah. yeah really I don't mean running but... tracks, like track, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, even even running tracks, a lot of them are they're, they're just so easily accessible. It's just all the kind of it's, it's free. You can go and use tracks as and when you please. There's no. Right. Um, it's it's just yeah. It's just um, it's, it's yeah, really good place for running and uh, just a nice atmosphere nice relaxed atmosphere to be um so i think if if my girlfriend listens to this she'll be very pleased that i've said that and probably mm, so will her family yeah she'll and be if, pushing you now to yeah, yeah yeah and if my uh, if my parents listen to this they'll be like oh no don't don't go to norway so uh, <laughs> yeah i might wait. oh they're lucky i'm in kenya so uh, yeah true <laughs> yeah how, how often do you go back to um to to the netherlands you go Normally we go once a year now on a holiday. I mean, since I since we both stopped being uh, professional runners, um, mm-hmm. um, we yeah we just don't go that often. Of course, we have young kids, four years and two years old, um, and it costs a lot of money to go with the four of us, right? So uh, we do one holiday per year, and that's uh, that's already great that we can do that. And then we go three weeks normally. Last year we went four weeks. Uh, this year uh, I don't think we will go at all because of Corona. So we'll just go next year, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, right. Yeah, so there's there's your short answer, yeah, Gavin. No, Norway. Good. Okay. So my first question to Hugo: um, Do you miss the good old days of running before GPS and social media? Ah, that's a good one. Um, I find it also a little bit difficult to answer because I I don't really miss it. I don't have a feeling of missing. Um, uh, I definitely don't miss running without GPS or something. I, I mean, even now, I sometimes might use GPS and sometimes not, and, and it doesn't disturb me at all. Uh, social media, that's another thing. Um, yeah, sometimes I, I, I feel like it, it can be a little bit overwhelming, especially, you know, when you're, when you're doing a business and you, you kind of have to use it to, to be, um, uh, yeah, to market mm-hmm. yourself. As an athlete, of course, that um, I've never been an athlete um, who was a lot in social media. I think it also grew more, of course, in the last five, six years. I mean, before that, you had internet, of course, and then you had Facebook. But, um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't really much into that uh, until 2014 when I finished my career. I do think now as a coach, you know, when I look at my athletes, for instance, the Indian athletes that I work with, uh, I have to tell them, of course, that, uh, you know, it's an, it, it, is, it is an issue for sure that, that young athletes are, uh, if you don't do anything about it, many of them are constantly on either Facebook or Instagram or, or other social media. And that, that means the brain doesn't really get any time to relax or to rest. You know, it's, they're constantly stimulating themselves. So, so it is something that I have to discuss with them. Because, uh, yeah, I feel like for their recovery and for their focus, it's something that you have to limit. Uh, if I think if you want to be a really great athlete, if you want to become the best you can be, uh, you have to limit also your time on social media. And uh, limiting doesn't mean you, have, you should not do it, but uh, maybe, I don't know, half an hour in the morning, half an hour in the evening, something like that. But you, you have to put uh, uh, some kind of uh, limit on it. Yeah, so do you, do you th- I, w- I was going to ask the question slightly differently and s- something along the lines of you can't change social... So from a coaching perspective, you, yeah. you can't change it at all. So would you, would you keep it or get rid of it completely? Like you're not, you're, not allowed to make, you're not allowed to make any alterations or put any caveats on it. It's just uh, if, you, if you can either keep things exactly as they are or delete it altogether, which do you think would be 
or yeah, which which way would you go? Whew, it's difficult, man. It's difficult. <laughs> yeah, sorry, you didn't get uh, to prepare that one. Uh, the GPS, I would definitely keep it mm-hmm. in because I just it's fun. Uh, but the social media, that's a harder one. I feel like there are definitely advantages uh, and there are also disadvantages. So if I'm not allowed to say it should be there or it should not be there, then I think from a from a purely performance perspective, it's better not to have okay. it. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, uh, of course, in, in, in today's society, uh, if I would say to all my athletes, yeah, you, you should not have it, the rest of the world has it, then it's different because you, you, know, you, you kind of need it now almost as an athlete to... Um, yeah, no, you know, to also mark. Yeah, yourself, I, I, real, right? I realize that's far too simplistic to say, yeah, all in or all out. But yeah, that was just how I, how I wanted to frame the question yeah. to see, yeah, see yeah, which yeah. way you'd go. So, so in terms of the GPS, yeah. you, don't, you think there are far more advantages to the information you get than disadvantages in terms of sort of the over analysis and people worrying about pace. Like, for instance, you saying if your coach says to go at three to 310, there's, there's more room now for people to 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 worry about Criticize that and yeah to, yeah to, to self-critique yeah 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 that's true but i mean uh, that is i feel like that's something i can more much more easily um uh, how do you say direct as a coach like i can say you know run without gps or do five times six minutes just on your watch you know just without uh, putting on the gps system uh, run by feeling if i feel like it uh, it makes a difference uh, i feel like it's really helpful to see uh, someone's shape going up or going down or seeing like okay um, you know someone might say oh i felt good but if they are actually running 10 seconds or 15 seconds slower per mile or per k then i know okay they were still tired from that workout two or three days ago so maybe the time in between was a little bit too short Right. So it does, as a coach, it gives me a lot of information. And and in general, I find it very useful. Um, I was talking with one of my athletes actually yesterday and actually the whole of last week uh, where where he felt like it's giving me stress, you know, because I run and I I really want to hit a certain time and I I, I keep looking at my watch and, and, and then I'm actually running slower than I could do without a watch. So I made a program for him now for the next four weeks where I specified and I think he has one session in two weeks with his GPS watch, but the rest is just without the watch. So instead of doing 800s, uh, we might do uh, uh, repetitions of 230, or instead of 1000s, we do repetitions of three minutes and uh, 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. That you know. So, it ca- so Callum, uh, yeah. Callum you, you probably don't even remember that it was possible to run without GPS. Uh, I'm a weird one actually because I didn't. I refused to use a Garmin for ages. Oh really? Uh, yeah, I just didn't. I just didn't like it. I when it first came about, I hated the thought of looking at my watch all the time and looking at the pace and stuff like that. And um, but yeah, you, you would have been you would have been very young when it first came about because I, I remember when I, I remember when I first saw a Garmin. Like one of the guys I trained with had this computer on his arm, and we were all just cracking yeah. up. We we're like, "What? The, what is that?" So, yeah. and, it, and he was explaining it to us. I was like, "Oh yeah, it's brilliant. It tells you." It tells you your pace and it tells you how far you've run. And we were just laughing. It's like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But but, yeah, but then it's become so prevalent that it's almost, yeah, it's almost hard to imagine running without it to to some people. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And that that, that is definitely an issue. Like it's you, uh, the more you rely on on that kind of external information, the, the less you listen to your body, of course. Yeah, st- so, uh, still now, if I do if I do an easy run, I often do it without the GPS. I just use my stopwatch 
for easy runs a lot of the time. Right. Just, um, yeah, just run without it. So, but, but when, when you first started athletics then, I mean, presumably you would, maybe you don't have a GPS just because you're, you're young. Like you're not going to, I, this may be incorrect, but I wouldn't have thought there are many sort of 12, 13 year olds going around with Garmin. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. True. I, I didn't get a Garmin until I was about 15 or 16. Um, at which point they had been, they were pretty well established. Um, but I, yeah, I guess, I guess also, yeah, the reason I didn't get other, other brands are available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just never really liked the, uh, just never really liked the thought of it. But yeah, like you said, now I just can't really imagine doing a, a tough yeah. workout without it. And how, how, how would we know how good Ross Barkley is at 5k without a GPS? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one might go over Hugo's head. We'll explain that to him another time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I'm not getting it. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Should we move on? Yeah. Sure. I, I have two questions now, right? One for yeah. each of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Gavin, how has, uh, running, uh, impacted or changed your life? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think I could, I could talk, I could just talk you through my whole life and it's been there pretty much from, from not from the very first days, but from probably age of 10 or 12, it's had a significant impact on any big decision I've made. Um, uh, so foot, football was my first love and I played it at a reasonable level. I was in um, School of Excellence, which are called academies these days at a local club whose name now mm-hmm. does not get mentioned because it's my, my team's rival. Um, uh, um, and and I, I left halfway through a two-year contract because I we just got fed up that every time I had to go football training, I was missing athletics club. Um, so that was when I was 15, 14 or 15. I decided that I just, all I wanted to do was be a runner. Um, and yes, yeah, every, every major decision I've made in my life has in some way been impacted by running and by my sort of desire to, to be a runner. Um, I decided I was going to go to Loughborough for university. I think before I even left secondary school. So many years before you even applied to university I'd already just decided where I was going um because that's where Paula Radcliffe went and that's where Seb Coe went um and that's where I knew you could be uh that's where I knew there was, a, there was a, a big running scene um I met Lauren in the athletics club uh at Loughborough um <laughs> and we're now yeah shortly have our 10th wedding anniversary um I went to nice. Kenya for the first time because of because I wanted to see what the whole running thing in Kenya was about. And it was during that trip that we came up with the Kenya experience idea. Um, even now, like when we, I remember when we were looking for, when, when we left Kenya and moved back to the UK and we were looking, looking for places to live, my, my main criteria was what are the running routes like around there? Um, which isn't something you can find very easily on estate agent websites. <laughs> uh, but that's pretty much all I, I it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what the kitchen looks like how close is it to a golf course that will let me run on it and how close is it to a forest um right I, I don't I don't regret any of those decisions in any way um there are things I'd change in terms of trying to actually allow my body to be able to run more rather than having some some periods out with with injury but yeah no I think running has yeah sort of all, all the major decisions in my life uh 
have, have something to do with something to do with running. So yeah, no, it's a huge, a huge thing, and I hope it continues to be a huge thing for, for for a long time yet to come. Yeah, yeah, sounds nice. Yeah, no, it's all right for sure. I, yeah. I'll, I'll take it. I would, Even I, our I life, Callum, Callum, and my life has changed a little bit uh, because of your running. Yep. I mean, working with Kenya experience. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully there aren't too many negative things I've left along the way. If there are, I'm sorry for the, <laughs> sorry for those to the people affected. But yeah, hopefully it's a it's a net a net positive journey we're on. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. It. So I'll, I'll go to the next story. Um, yeah, yeah no, uh, go for it. It's one one for Callum. Um, what are the things that uh, you don't do as a runner that you would actually love to do, but yeah, you can't do them because you're a serious runner. Um, yeah, this is, this is quite an interesting one for me because about, I think we brought this up in the last podcast, but about a year ago, I had a little, a little breakdown about my running and I started whining to Gavin and, and to you, Hugo, about, oh, there's so many things I don't do that are, you know, that I really want to do. I've made so many sacrifices and I'm not quite where, where I want to be in running. And then one, one big thing that changed that attitude for me was Gavin replied to a message saying, well, are they sacrifices or are they actually just things that you actually don't want to do and you don't do them and it happens to make you a better runner? Um, <laughs> so, so things like, yeah, like drinking and going out, staying out late and things like that, they are things I don't do partly because of running, but also I'm just not interested in that lifestyle. And I, and I like, I enjoy taking care of my body and I enjoy progressing as a runner. And if it means not doing some of those things like that then actually aside from that aside from that small little breakdown i had where i was complaining about it then i don't see them as sacrifices i i see them as things that i i just don't want to do and they happen to make me a better runner um there are there are a few things that if i wasn't a runner i would do things like probably i would have traveled more and things like that there are times when um friends of mine have gone out on like holidays and things like that for a couple of weeks at a time or they've gone on a ski trip and things and I've said no because it was in the middle of the indoor season for example and um and I knew that going going away for a week skiing would just would wreck my chances of running well in the indoor season um so yeah a couple of things like that but again like kind of like Gavin just said I um I don't regret any of those decisions because when I when I look back at my time as a runner I I look back at those races I've done and the people I've met through running and, and the things I've experienced as a runner, like going to Kenya and um, being involved in some high level races and, and my jobs and working with Sokani, all of those things outweigh anything that I haven't been able to do because I've chosen not to do them to, to pursue a better running career. I think, I I guess. Think, that's a, I think that's a much better way of looking at it anyway, is that it's a, it's a positive choice you've made rather than a yeah. sacrifice. Like you haven't sacrificed a night out. You just prefer feeling good for your morning run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, I, like I said, I went through like a little, uh, a little episode of thinking, Oh, I've made all these sacrifices, but yeah, Gavin just summed it up perfectly. I haven't, they weren't sacrifices. They were positive choices. And um, yeah, so that's, that's how I'd answer that question. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. Yeah. makes a lot of sense. And um, I, I was actually thinking you would say that about traveling. And I think uh, a lot of, uh, yeah, athletes would say, you know, there is a lot of traveling involved in, in running, but you always go to running places and you run there and, and you rest and you run and you rest, right? So it's yeah. not, 
the same as saying like, hey, we go with some friends to Spain or we go, uh, I go with my girlfriend uh, four weeks in Tibet. Uh, backpacking but, but or if something. You, if you, if, whenever, when you have been in that situation, for me personally, the first thing I want to do when I get to those places is find out where I can run. <laughs> yeah. so, like we went to we had a great holiday with my family in thailand for um for my parents uh 50th birthday um yeah i guess going back i'm not sure seven or eight years ago now maybe um and it was, and it was great and i loved it but it would have been even better if there were some better places to run yeah 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 so yeah I don't I, know, I, I I, i'm still not sure I'd, I, at this stage i still don't think i'd choose normal inverted commas holidays I'd still, yeah, I'd, I'd still pick a training camp over a, over a holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can imagine that. Right. Should we go I around? don't really oh, have it the, the same way you have, uh, but what I, what I would do have is if I come somewhere, I just see a nice path or a nice trail, you know, and I think, oh, I want to run there. You know, tomorrow morning <laughs> when I wake up, I want to, I want to go and find out where, where that goes. Yeah, that's that's basically how I spend the entirety of every journey anywhere just look at that. if you're if you're in a car you're just like driving along just looking for oh that looks like a nice place to run that, that would make a good yeah, yeah, yeah. course yeah exactly <laughs> exactly that yeah uh okay yeah. should we right Callum back to you I think well Gavin you you done yeah I'm done one yeah question, right? so uh yeah so Hugo my next question for you is do you think that being a high level athlete means you are now a better coach or do you think that's not necessary for a coach Ah, uh, that's also very. It's 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 kind of difficult to answer. I I definitely feel like I've learned a lot in my career as an athlete, and just just being an athlete and having had uh, different coaches and having had many different experiences as an athlete, I I definitely feel it. It really adds to my education, for instance, and then also you know at the kind of at the pretty much at the beginning of when I started being an athlete, I started studying human movement sciences and. And, and, and it also helps. It, it kind of mixes everything because you start to look at your training also with different eyes when you've done the study, right? So you look at the practicals and you talk with so many athletes. So I, I definitely feel like all the experiences I had as an athlete uh, contributed uh, to me being a better coach. Uh, I don't know if you have to have been an elite athlete. That's not necessarily um, I mean, if I had been, uh, if my best time on the half marathon had been 66 or 68 minutes, I would have had many of the same experiences. I could still come to Kenya and meet uh, Kenyan top athletes and, and all international top athletes and talk with them about their training and, you know, compare what people do and, and, and how they respond to it. Uh, the only thing is maybe that, you know, um, yeah, I've been with my wife to the uh, Olympics, for instance, uh, I've run myself at the European Championships, so um, you, you, um, how do I say? I don't get so much nervous as a coach. You know, I've I've heard or seen some coaches who, you know, when they are preparing an athlete for a national championship, they they get so nervous, and and I wouldn't have that because I, you know, not that I feel like oh, national championships is nothing, but. Um, yeah, I mean, if you've been at the highest stage or, or pretty much there, then, um, you know, you kind of see things in perspective and, and you see it all as part of a bigger plan. So so I feel like in that way, maybe it helps that when I'm coaching my athletes, I, I see it as a part of a big 10-year plan or 15-year or, or, or six years, depending on the athlete. But um, yeah, and in that way, I feel like having been an elite athlete kind of gives some 
some yeah kind of rest in that way that you you're not uh, constantly excited about every <clears throat> small race that's on the way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Gavin, can you um, tell me uh, a training session that you really like, like your favorite training session and, and your most hated training session? <laughs> okay. Yeah. It should be another short and easy one. Uh, I love fartlek of any description. Um, just when I see fartlek on the program, it's like a, yeah, I get excited in advance for, uh, <laughs> I get to do a, there's, yeah, there's, there's just something about it. The, the, the I like, I, I'm quite an endurance-based athlete, so I like the continuous nature. But then just the way it mixes in um, different speeds, and we often do it on a sort of uh, an unmeasured course, like maybe you're just doing sort of two minutes on, one minute off without worrying about pace and speed, and we do it through, yeah, down a down a trail or on a on a nice loop. Um, yeah, I, I love any any type of of fartlek training. Um, mm. Uh, least favorite training is much harder to come up with anything because I, I mean, I, I I don't enjoy the non running stuff. Like I don't enjoy doing glute exercises and core stability and and things like that, but I, but I don't, I don't dislike it and I can happily get it done. Like if it needs doing, I can do it without it being a problem, but that's the, that that's the least favorite, but there's nothing, I wouldn't say there's anything I hate. I mean, the only the closest thing I can come up with is when I'm in, like right now, when I'm not particularly fit and I'm coming back from injury, I love just the bog standards day to day going out and running. Um, but when I'm in absolute, when I when I'm in top shape or it just in full training, I find the non-workout days a bit uh, not a drag, but like you wake up on if I wake up on a so our training is fairly structured week to week. If I wake up on a Tuesday, like brilliant, I've got intervals or fart leg on a Thursday uh, sorry on a Friday I know I've got a tempo uh, on a Sunday I know I've got a long run so they're sort of the more sexy if you will oh. days of the week yeah and then the the boring just doing an easy run um on easy run and strides can can be I'd say is my least favorite but yeah I mean it's diff- pretty difficult for me to pick out a part of a part of it that I don't like yeah, makes sense. I would. I had the same feeling as an athlete. Like those easy runs, especially when you're tired from the heavy work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you kind of go through them, and you have to do them, of course. But they're not always that uh, that much fun as as the real workouts. Right. Okay. So here you go. Thanks yeah. for your answer. Um, for Callum, I have. Uh, do you have a pre-race ritual, either the day before the race or the the morning of the race? Something um, you always like to do. Yeah. Um, no. And I've actually I thought about this before, and I actually have I, I think it's a pretty good reason to not have a pre-race ritual. Um, I try not to do anything before a race that I can't definitely always repeat, and the reason for that is because I think it's very easy to put too much emphasis on something that improves your performance that doesn't actually improve your performance. Um, so, I mean, for example, let's say someone says, I, every, before every race, I always have pasta for dinner and it makes me run better. What happens then? What happens when pasta is not available? Yeah. What happens if you go to a hotel before the national championships and pasta is not on the menu? I, I know, I know that there are several runners in that situation that would be, oh, I've I've got to have pasta. I always have pasta before a race. Whereas I, I kind of think I'm I've purposely made myself flexible before a race so that I can have, I'll eat 
and as long as I know that it doesn't like upset my stomach, obviously, or anything, I'll, I'll eat pretty much anything. And then in the in the morning of the race, I don't really have like a ritual. I'll have the like roughly the same breakfast, but nothing. You know, it's not like a pattern. And then for my warm up, it will be roughly the same warm up, but it depends on the weather and it depends on the facilities available. Is there an indoor track or is there? Do I have to run on grass or? You know, so I, yeah. I I purposely try to not have a pre-race ritual, um, just because I know that there are so many variables that can change before a race that I'm not always in control of, and I prefer to just be flexible and yeah, know that. I, I, I think a lot of people kind of say, you know, oh, I've, I've got to wear my lucky socks for this race, and then well, what happens if one day you don't have your lucky socks with you? You know. <laughs> um that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing so yeah like i said I just it's, it's, I, it's interesting though because i know there are high performing athletes in a lot of sports who do completely the opposite and they do know like right i'm going to go through this step by step by step and if i go through these steps i know i'm ready to i know i'm ready to perform so it's not it's certainly not the only way to do it but yeah that's whenever i've had something which is more standardized and more routine it only leads to stress because it's like it can be something as simple as that you 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 warm up for 45 minutes but then there's traffic so you've only got 35 minutes to warm up and like oh which bit of my warm-up do i cut out well no i can't cut out that because xyz and yeah just leads yeah, to yeah. just leads to stress um yeah so that's that's my answer you get yeah thank you one. thank you so i think we're just back, yeah yeah i think we're just back to back to mine aren't we so hugo i'm going to throw a little curveball here and i've actually i've changed my second question for you so the first question i think was a bit boring i was just going to ask you what your which which race you're most proud of from from your career when you uh -huh. when you were giving your last answer i actually thought of a question that i think might be more interesting and it because because you said something in your answer that about coaches being stressed and it it reminded me of of my worst moment in coaching so i don't coach at all anymore but it, it just reminded me of the worst thing that's happened to me as a coach um, mm -hmm. and so I just want to ask you now, put you on the spot and say, we always talk about the successes. Like what, what's your worst experience as a running coach? Oh, good one. Um, oh, I have to think about that. Well, uh, I, I, I would look at, well, uh, I, I should not look so much at the online coaching I do, I think, because that's, that's a little different, you know, you're one-on-one -on -one with athletes and it's. Uh, I feel like also there's more time to correct there because it happens online. Um, then I have my Indian athletes and I've coached Kenyans, of course, here. Uh, maybe maybe it'd be easier if you leave out like specific names and things. You don't have to like say this person yeah, no, performed no. badly or, or whatever. Okay. I coached this guy I, I know Callum Jones. And yeah, exactly. And awful. he sucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I can't really think of very big things, like big things where I went wrong. What I, what I did do uh, in the beginning with my Indian athletes, for instance, this is more, um, this doesn't have so much to do with behavior, but just like the, the type of training program that I gave. I, we were with them, uh, I was with them in India at, at altitude somewhere, and not very high altitude, so we could do quality speed work. And we were preparing for a competition and um, a national championship and and I uh, felt like they, they weren't really um, fast enough and their endurance was relatively good. And I started focusing much more on, on like 1,500, three-kilometer pace, and it just didn't work for them. I saw like that championship, almost everyone ran bad. And though they did pretty well in training. And um, yeah, so I had to analyze after that, of course, about, about that. And I 
in the years after, I just saw that the yeah, if we just kept you know pretty good mileage and 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 pretty good threshold stuff, then uh, for almost all of them it worked out much better uh, than um, really focusing on on the speed stuff. So yeah, so I, that, I, I that's even, yeah, I think even that in itself just shows that even when you have that that down moment, you can quickly spring it around into right. What can we learn from this rather than dwelling on on how badly it went? What what can we take into the next? Yeah. Moment? Yeah, of course, and I realized immediately after that that this is a moment uh, that you that you can learn. It's a moment for growth. So I I never saw something as something really bad, and I I can't think of any moment where I I said or did really things that I really regret. Uh, sometimes yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't things, necessarily you know? it was didn't wasn't necessarily a mistake. Just a moment where you sort of felt yeah, either something. Yeah, I don't know, just an overall negative rather than it doesn't have to be like you did something wrong. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the things is, uh, but it is more like my my way of working also, that when I work with athletes and I give them advice and I feel like they're not really listening, I I let them fall. Um, And I don't mean like I leave it completely up to them, but uh, if I tell an athlete, I think you shouldn't uh, really, you know, join that group for speed work or i think you um you know you um you should do this or that doesn't really matter what and they're like okay coach i really really want to do it and i explain to them like why i think they shouldn't do it but if they keep saying i i, I really want to do this then i say okay you know go ahead and because i feel like you learn much more if you make a mistake uh, than when you just um you know being told not to do something or to do something Right, so mm-hmm. that happened quite a quite a few times with some of my athletes, with who I felt like they didn't really listen to my advice, and then I felt like, hey, okay, you just go ahead and do it, and then sometimes someone may get an injury or um, just perform really bad, but it does give you, I mean, in the long term, it it gives you much more possibility for growth, and of course, you are there then for the athlete, and you discuss with him or her like, hey, what happened, and why did it go wrong, and. Uh, so I, I do let them experience things. And, and yeah, a few times I've regretted that because I felt like, okay, you know, I, I should have known that someone could get injured from this or would have a really bad race. And I kind of told them, but I maybe I should have been a bit tougher. Mm. But, yeah, so that's a little bit some, uh, you know, I'm like a little bit flip-flop in that way. Like on the one hand of my, uh, one side of my mind says, no, you should let them experience it because only when they experience it, that's when they can learn from it. If if they just do it because you tell them to, they won't learn. But yeah, then there's the other side that says like, okay, you don't have to let them experience it all the time. You know, sometimes you just have to say, no, just do it because I'm I'm your coach and I'm telling mm. you to do this. Right? Yeah. No, yeah. Thank you. So, uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. A little bit long answer, but yeah, yeah, no, it's harder when you've been put, put, put on the spot without, uh, so Callum, I won't do the same to you. This is the, yeah. the, uh, the, the, the question I said yesterday. So, and this, I was a little bit unsure asking this question because it's not supposed to insult you about like, so hopefully you didn't take it as like me sort of almost mocking you for not being as good as no, the I other don't. runners we're talking about. But the, uh, so, so the, the, the question is just, so as someone trying to be as best as you possibly can, do you look at super elite runners? And I gave two examples of Julian Wonders and Jakob Britson, just as two sort of very young, but also extremely successful fast runners. Do you look at the times that they run and are you inspired by it and motivated by it? Or is it a little bit like demotivating, like, man, I'm putting all this effort in 
and I'm nowhere near these guys. Um, yeah, you, you've basically summarised the two things I feel about that, depending on what mood I'm in. Um, so I would say half of the time I look at them and think, like, yeah, if, if these guys can do it, there's no reason why I can't do it. Like, why why shouldn't I be able to get to that level? And, and actually, I would say most of the time that's how I feel. I often it's kind of it's easy to look at the best runners in the world and think dude they're all kenyans they're all ethiopians they all live at high altitude there's you know been studies about their potential genetic advantages in running there's no way i can there's no way i can compete with these guys on on that level um and i've been to kenya and experienced it and uh, like i can i can confirm i'm not going to compete with those guys but then i see julian wonders and jakob ingebrigtsen and i think well, they have no specific genetic advantage. They don't, they don't, well, Julian does now, but they, they, they weren't born and raised in altitude. You know, if they, if they can do it by putting lots of hard work and effort in then then why can't I do it? Um, but vice versa. But, but what, do... a, what about, yeah. Okay. No, that's really interesting. What about, again, I, I'm not meaning to put specific limits on you, but say for instance, mm. let's say running 330, running 330 isn't on the agenda for you no matter how well mm. things go for the next five or yeah. six years like from from that perspective yeah. is someone being at that level is that still motivating um, just to see someone else be good or is it yeah or, or the opposite um yeah in that in that case kind of neither like it just kind of it kind of doesn't come onto my radar mm. if you know what i mean like it, it has like there are times when I look at that and think, oh, I'd love to be able to do that. And I just, I'm probably never going to be able to, I'm probably never going to be at that level. And that's kind of a, it's a bit of a sad thought, but 99% of the time I think, right, what, what can I do and where can I be and how am I going to get there? You know, rather than like, I oh, will never do that. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's, I think that's a good, a good way of looking at it. Cause again, if you're not, um, and unless you are actually the number one in the world, there's always someone who's better than you, regardless yeah. of how well you do. So it's, yeah, it's kind yeah. of a, yeah. kind of so, wasted. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of a, a similar, a similar way to look at it is I, I often do speed training with my girlfriend. She's a 400 meter runner and I will, I'll beat her over anything sort of over 200 meters and she'll get annoyed by that. She'll be like, Oh, I can't believe you're beating me at 300 meter reps. And I'm like, well, you're comparing two completely different runners. Like mm. you can't, you can't be annoyed by that. Like, and that's like, that, that's like me looking at like, yeah, like Mo Farah and thinking, oh, why can't I run 328 for 1500? Well, I'm just not there yet. So why, what's the point in comparing myself to, to just some other random person who happens to be a very, very good runner when I, yeah, when I could just compare myself against myself, I guess. Yeah. And then also in the end, right, it's like. You know, when you compare running with climbing a mountain and yeah, you can look at someone else climbing another mountain and maybe that mountain is higher, but you can have your own, um, how do you say, satisfaction from climbing your mountain and, and, and maybe Callum's mountain ends somewhere at 336 or 338 on a 1500 and he qualifies for European championships and reaches the finals and, and that will be his top of his mountain and that can be the most amazing thing to experience, right? And, 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 and to look back at. And, and, you know, or, um, you know, there can be, everyone can have their own uh, top of their mountain, right? And uh, mm. so, yeah, 
that's, well, that's I, what actually, I, I actually think, think uh, something maybe we all three, we can wrap up just by finishing on this note that because this is something all three of us have experienced. I mean, I I think training in a ten with such high volume of good runners, not just good runners, but such high volume of good runners, is really humbling in that respect, and it kind of teaches you. Well, it can take you one of two ways. I think it can either teach you to to concentrate on yourself because if you concentrate on other people, then you're going to be pretty disheartened. Um, or it can dishearten you and go, oh man, I thought I was good at running, but now even though I'm good in my locality, I come here and I'm I'm nothing. Yeah, it it, it did both to me in in the reverse order. It disheartened me and then humbled me. Really? So did so you did yeah. you did find it demotivating at first to sort of yeah. think, man, I thought I, I was good, but I'm not. Yeah. I remember having what you just said there. I thought I was good, but I'm not. I remember saying that pretty much exact line to Hugo when I first stayed with him when I went to attend. Do you remember Hugo? I did that. <laughs> remember I did the cross country yeah. race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. that that that's an even harder way to judge it because if you if you race at altitude when you're not from altitude, <laughs> then the difference yeah. is the difference is is increased. Yeah, like exponentially. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's also what I told uh, Callum at that time. Like, I remember him coming home from the race, and he was like, "You know, I I know I'm not the best in the world, and I'm not expecting, but I, uh, you know, to to yeah. win this race. But I I just felt like I was a pretty good runner, and and here I am, just totally at the back, <laughs> <laughs> my my tongue on the floor, like breathing like crazy. And I told him also, you know, you're at high altitude, you can't compare. Um, your performance here after being here for, I don't know, two weeks or something or three <laughs> weeks at a time. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. With what can you see? Do, I, I, um, I didn't, I didn't get that at all. When I went to Kenya, I only got the the motivational side. I, I didn't get any right. like, Oh man, if I run a race here, I'm coming 300th out of 303. Yeah. <laughs> which, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. which did happen. But uh, yeah, that, didn't, yeah. Um, yeah, that didn't ruin my, there's a, there's a funny photo on, um, so it's on my Facebook of uh, when I raced tus- Tuskies. You know, is it called yeah, Tuskies yeah. cross country? Yeah, yeah. Tuskies cross country. Of, uh, of, I mean, there are people around me, but one of the guys around me has clearly just come out of work, out like out of work in uh, in an office somewhere, and just decided to take place in the run, in, in the race. <laughs> and he's got he's got like casual shoes on. He's got long trousers on and like a polo shirt, and I'm there in like my racing shoes and. <laughs> i'll find the photo for you it's, it's funny <laughs> all right that was a good one thanks guys yeah cheers guys great stuff thanks yeah thanks Thank guys you. thanks for listening to the kenya experience podcast with myself gavin smith and my colleagues callum jones and hugo vandenbrook if you want to learn more about the kenya experience you can visit www.traininkenya.com where you'll get more information about our training camps for runners of all levels in Iten, Kenya. You can also read blogs and articles from the three of us in the blogs and articles section. You can also find us on Instagram at the underscore Kenya underscore experience. Uh, And you'll also find Callum and Hugo on there as well. Um, And from there, you can learn a lot more about their coaching uh, and get some additional great tips and information. Thanks again and we will see you see you shortly.